What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets fans, and we're back with another episode uh, of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Aidan McConaughey and Cami Anderson, and today we're going to be looking back at the first round uh, as a whole. Um, there's been a lot of basketball since we came into your feed uh, last time, so we've got plenty to talk about. Um, but obviously, it's all about the Nets and the Celtics. Um, we're going to be answering some of your listener questions and much, much more. Before we do, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets Fans, the pod itself on Twitter at BKTUK Pod, uh, and check us out on YouTube where you can find all of our previous episodes of the pod uh, in video format, uh, ready and waiting for you to catch up on. Um, we're also streaming live as we speak across Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube, uh, so make sure you come join us there too. Uh, but without the way, let's get into it. Um, as I said in uh, my brief little intro, we're not going to go through game by game, um, just because as you hear this, um, we're going to be gearing up for the next game uh, back in Brooklyn. Um, so at the time of recording, the Nets lead the series three games to one, and we've got the chance to close out on Tuesday night um, on our home turf, and we're going to set up a match with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are looking pretty, pretty good. Um, the Nets took game one, 104-93, followed it up with a 130-108 win in game two. We then went to Boston, dropped that first game, 125-119, but then the Nets bounced back in game four, winning 141-126. to So it's been, there's been a whole lot of buckets um, but I think there's only one place to start, and it's with this big three. Um, Aiden, I'll come to you first, mate. What what's this? What has this scary hours era been like for you in the early going? Overall, I mean, I've I've really been happy with how they've played. I mean, it's crazy thing. It's not been perfect at times. I mean, we we knew this was going to happen going into the series. That this was going to be a, a learning curve for this team because of the the few minutes that these three stars had played together. But to say that it's not been perfect, but the fact that they're, it's still historically good considering they're currently on pace to have the highest points per game from a big three in playoffs history in a NBA series, which is crazy. I think it's currently 85.8 points per game they're averaging so far. And if they get that in the next one, that's them um, top the leaderboard for that. So, I mean, in terms of kind of faults with it so far, we knew there was going to be a couple. I mean, you could say that, Obviously, that game three performance, there was plenty to pick at. Kyrie it wasn't excellent in terms of numbers compared to his other games. But, I mean, out with KD and Harden in that one, there wasn't really much production from anyone at all. And, and you mix that with a 50-piece from Jason Tatum and you, the end result's never going to be very good. But, I mean, in terms of individually, I think Harden has looked absolutely excellent. I think the it looks like that extended time out that the, the Nets took for him when he re-aggravated his hamstring has, has paid off absolutely massively. Um, and that could be a, a big a big factor in, in how the Nets do in this playoffs. But yeah, he's looked at uh, an MVP level again, um, like he did before he went down. So delighted with how he's been looking. I mean, Kevin Durant, he's just been elite. And that's the only word. I mean, it's I think I took it for granted how much he can elevate his game to another level at the playoffs just because I didn't watch much ba Warriors basketball beforehand. I mean... I knew KD was incredible, but I didn't know how well he could elevate his game. And I'll go on to talk about a bit more about how, how well he's done and kind of certain factors that I didn't even know he could go to later on. But yeah, I've just loved his aggression in general and, and how he stepped up. And I think for the first time, we can say that he's looked 100% because we've always kind of said he's maybe at 90%, 95 down to 80 at times. 
but yeah, I think he's looking a hundred percent and he looks yeah, at a, certainly at an MVP level again. And in terms of Kyrie, I mean, he's kept his efficiency up constantly and I was really impressed with him last night. I mean, when you go into a hostel arena like that and every fan in the house is shouting F you Kyrie and how he showed that elite mentality to go and drop 39 and 11 and that environment is just sublime and I was so happy for him at the end of that one. I know there's plenty to talk about, as I said before about that one, which we'll, we'll certainly go on to later. But yeah, just... Come up, yeah. They might come up, we'll see. But yeah, just quickly to mention the fact that he's currently 100% from the free throw line in this series as well on 20 attempts. Certain factors like that are huge. And, and the fact we've got so many good free throw shooters is, is amazing. But to be 100% after 20 attempts in that type of environment is just incredible. So yeah, safe to say I'm really happy. And it's crazy to think that we're going we're gonna to be even better shortly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's scary. Obviously, it's scary hours, but... <laughs> The fact that we, we all kind of had some concerns. <laughs> See, had to get that in there. Secretly <laughs> knew you had that on. Uh, just the fact, as Aiden says, they're averaging 85 points between them. And, I mean, when you're getting three players kind of averaging that between them, uh, typically it's going to end well. Obviously, the game where Tatum went off, those games happen. And, obviously, that was a game that we started fantastically when it looked like we'd have genuinely... I mean, we could have scored about 100 points. Uh, just the way we started that one, what was it, 19-4 or something, and we just absolutely flew out the blocks, and then everyone just went a bit pear-shaped. And, and I think that's probably the, the main thing you could say has went wrong for us, just bottling that that one, given how well we started. you think we, we kind of would be able to see that out. But yeah, the fact Scary Hours, who, as we always say, almost every single week, have barely played with one another, they, they look pretty good for having only played, what, probably about 10, 11 games now between them. And the fact that they're all kind of being able to play those 40 minutes, I think we, we we had questions over whether Nash would kind of play one for a bit longer and two for a bit less or whatever. But they're all kind of roughly sitting around 40 minutes a night. So when you've got three players like that on the court almost entirely, um, um, yeah, things are always going to go well. I think the fact that they're scoring so amazingly is you can only kind of celebrate that and be so happy. But at the same time, the other players have obviously kind of suffered. We've not seen much production from other guys, as Aiden says. And of course, I think when it if it came down to it, you're always going to want the ball in KD, Harden, or Kyrie's hands rather than a Tyler Johnson or Chris Jones or just name another kind of bench rotation guy who who would maybe pop up with 15 points during the the regular season or whatnot. But now they're limited to like a handful and maybe not necessarily a bad thing. Kind of keeps these guys fresh. But then yeah, I think if we could get them firing a wee bit. Will will be unstoppable, but yeah, things so far anyway have been really good. Aside from obviously dropping that one game, and yeah, Tatum. We said if if the Celtics were going to stop us, need Tatum to go off, and he, and he did that. The chat, he's I just don't know what you can say. He's had about five or six fifty-point games in the past two months or something, which is absolutely insane. And to do it against this next team as well, yeah, it, it says a lot about the kind of player Jason Tatum is. But I think unfortunately for for Tatum and the Celtics, the, the playoff run's going to come to an end on Tuesday. Love that. Love that decisiveness. Um, yeah, I mean, what I think that's a great point you said about um, Cammy, uh, sorry, Aiden, where you said you just you, you forget that KD's got another gear when it comes to the postseason, like because he's so incredibly good all the time. And we've said all season about his just effortless. 30, 30 point games and you know he's just just seems to come so naturally to him 
um, because obviously he's, you know, the top two at least players in the league. Um, so watching that, sort of getting represented in your team's jersey now he plays for the Nets is is a thing to behold. And, you know, it's this is the best basketball I've ever watched. Um, obviously, absolutely as a Nets fan, but... Yeah, it, it just doesn't get much better for the for the points that you guys have raised. I mean, KD's averaging 38, um, uh, sorry, 34.8 points, eight rebounds, three assists, 1.8 steals. He's averaging two blocks a game as well. Like, as well as scoring 32 in game one, 26 in game two, 39 in game three, and 42 in game four, he's been our best defender as well. Um, obviously, now that Jeff Green's out, but we'll come to that in a little bit. Uh, of a while but all this chat like you say about him coming back 80 to 90 percent of his former self and that's still being really good that's still what Paul George or whatever we said at the time um this could be the best version we've seen of KD yet he's shown real flashes of being so quick on his feet for a guy that's coming off an Achilles him being able to blow past people and there was one uh particular play in the in game four that we just watched where I don't know who was defending. It was probably Jason Tatum, but he kind of blew past to the left and it was sort of like a running sideways floater, like laterally to the basket. It was like just all over the shop. Um, one thing I will say though, is if I see Kevin Durant fall on the floor again and just not put his arms out and just fully take it on the shoulder, I'm going to lose more hair, I think. So he's just like, mm. it's just not the one. He's got this huge gaping wound almost in his shoulder bones hanging out and you know you know the man's not got a lot of meat on him to kind of protect his that uh that slim frame so i could i could do with seeing less of that um but yeah he he talking about his defense he absolutely had jason tatum in his pocket um the first sort of two two games at least and obviously you say he had that breakout game where he scored 50 and you know all i can do is shower praise on him um for for what he did in that game he absolutely went off and but you know there's been some you know Tristan Thompson's had a double double game I think that was the same game where you know some of these some players will just have flashes like Robert Williams the third looking like Dikembe Mutombo out there like in that first game where he's just blocking and swatting absolutely everything so you know there's going to be players that have these games but it's just not sustainable uh in in a seven game series. And that's what we've been saying, you know, the whole run up to this playoffs and, you know, they, the Celtics, you know, got back to their home court. They got fans in the stands and, you know, it lifted them. Um, and then, you know, in the, the game four where they had even more fans in the stands, they lifted in even more. Um, but, you know, after what, you know, in that second half, they kind of got a little bit quieter. The, the, the FU Kyrie chance and all the boos were getting significantly quieter as we went into that second half. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll come to what happened at the end of that game um, in a little bit. But, but yeah, KD's been incredible. James Harden dropped 18 assists in game four and no one really realized, <laughs> even though that's, he almost tied the Nets franchise record for the most assists in a playoff game um, and that 18 assists was more assists than the entire team recorded in the previous game where we lost um, exploded for 41 points in game three, dropping seven threes in that game, which tied Joe Harris's record. I almost feel a bit bad for, for doing that um, 
for Joe Harris got all that uh, sort of love for dropping, uh, scoring seven points, uh, seven threes in a game, and then James Harden just does it, like, and no one really notices because he's so good. The following game, um, and yeah, what what more can you say about Kyrie Irving? Um, obviously, I think he that that first game back in Boston. Um, has just that obviously shook him and you could see he was a little bit rattled um but how could you not be when you've got thousands of people just wishing absolute worst on you when you're just trying to do your job um but yeah but he's reverted to the mean and you saw that in game four when um when yeah it was just just real real good basketball um from that big three and i think we can absolutely do away with all this chemistry chat um, that has seems to be permeating through, but you know we're we're sitting pretty. They they nicked one off us, but as you said, Cami, we would have had to something special would have had to happen for this Boston team to beat us, and something special happened, and um, and then we whooped them after that. So, so just one of those, unfortunately. Um, but as I say, we're not going to go into each and every game. Um, but I just wondered what you guys were thinking about just some. Um, some highlights and some lowlights from from what you've seen across the past four games. What what's gone right, uh, and more importantly, what's gone wrong? What what have, can we learn from these from these games we've played so far? So I mean, I mean, we've just waxed lyrical there about them. I think it's fair to say the big three have been all right. Um, uh, we've already kind of named some of those numbers. I think that's the obvious one for what's kind of went right. What's went wrong? I kind of touched on it just when I was speaking earlier on about the fact others aren't really contributing. Obviously, we've still managed to, to get three three wins from four games with, without kind of big contributions. I, I'm trying to even think who's kind of the highest scorer over that time or whatever. Kind of not out, sorry, not in that that kind of scary hours trail. But yeah, I think that's probably that. And then obviously the Jeff Green injury, losing him after two games. I think there's there is a listener question from Elliot asking about how big, how big and how important a return to Jeff Green will be. And I think that's probably. Probably one of those things that we need to wait and see. He wasn't exactly setting the world alight during the series. Only, I think, averaging about a handful of points. And, it, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. But Jeff Green's been one of those players who, who's just been solid all season. And it's that veteran presence. And, yeah, he's a player that can, when on the court, just get give that something extra. Obviously, there's that kind of famous chat they had with the locker room that I think will go down the next kind of folklore history. The, the thing that kind of turned everything round on the poor run. And, yeah, I think... Him coming back will be maybe a bit bigger of a boost than most people would probably expect. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Cammy mentioned the big three. That's obviously what's went right. But, I mean, I think if you look what Steve Nash has done and, and the fact that he's obviously played them as much as he can, I think that's certainly a benefit because I think that's going to benefit more in the later stages that he has taken the time now to play them as much as they can um, just so that they can get those minutes together. And I think... He's, he's done the right thing, definitely. And I think you touched on it earlier, obviously, with Kevin Durant. Defensively, mainly in the first two games, was potentially some of the best defensive basketball we've seen from the Nets this year. And I think, yeah, the way Kevin Durant led it almost was back to that all-defence level of play. And if we can get that from him, especially from a guy of that size, it does play such a huge factor in the fact that we are playing smaller guys at the four and the five and Harris and Griffin. So, yeah, long may that continue and, and hopefully... That um, blip the other night was just a one-off. But in terms of the rotation, obviously we've, we've cut that down to nine um, for all the important minutes anyway. And I think it's worked well. I think I think Nash 
has has went with the right guys, and there's nothing that would really change. Just having a quick look at the the players he's went with. I mean, you, there's obviously an argument that you could potentially bring in DeAndre Jordan or or Johnson in there, and I think to be honest with you, it has benefited at times staying smaller and then causing big guys the big defenders problems. Like you've seen Tristan Thompson get caught out so many times defensively when like anyone kind of wants to get switched on Tristan Thompson, and I think James Harden must be 100 percent on on step back threes over him in this series but in terms of what what went wrong it's it's difficult i think yeah the guys outside the big three it's it's not been talked about enough that the role players have had to adjust to their new roles as well and i think that's probably harder for them than it is for the big three coming in and playing together i mean those guys can come into any situation and and play well but i'd say that joe harris and blake griffin obviously being the being the fourth and fifth starters I'd say they've probably only each had two out of the four games where they've played really well. And I think it's going to take time for them to to get their kind of positions solidified in that team and, and what their roles are. Um, and in terms of the bench as well, I mean, it's difficult because they're playing reduced minutes. And we've obviously been used to seeing some quite nice scoring numbers this year from our bench. And they're again, they're playing in smaller roles. And as Cammy mentioned earlier, they're usually with a, a Harden or a Kyrie at the same time and everything is going through them at that time um but yeah apart from that the only thing that i'd really dig out would say in uh, nash's timeout still feel like a big issue especially in that loss I, I don't like this let them figure it out as they go along mentality especially in the playoffs it just feels dangerous at times and i think there was some times where we should have stopped the celtics run by taking a cell a timeout and he just kind of let kept it going and and that's where we were we lost it really we could never get back into the game but I mean, yeah, I'm, in terms of rebounding as well, I mean, just to touch on that, we knew it was going to be an issue and we've made Tristan Thompson look like a beast, but we've been doing that with mediocre centres for years and I don't think it's time to change that. We've just got to accept it's going to happen. So, yeah, Tristan Thompson isn't isn't worrying me at all, especially going into this final game. He's still kind of a mediocre guy that's maybe going to get 15 points, but he really doesn't have a big impact in the game. Yeah, I think what I, I noticed early just piggybacking off what you were saying about um, Blake Griffin and having a kind of stop-start kind of series. I think especially in that, like the first game of this series, you saw like everyone was just switching on to Blake. Um, and that kind of, you could almost see what the Celtics were trying to do and really kind of targeting him on that. Because I think and I'll probably get sort of flamed out in the comments for this, but I think you know where the, the, the Celtics don't really have a good big they don't really rely on that kind of size and, and sort of power down low. And it's all just sort of getting into Jason Tatum's hands and, and kind of relying on that kind of drawing them out to the wing and breezing past them sort of um, style of attack rather than kind of banging down low. So I think as sort of matchups change, and we'll probably discuss this um, later on in the pod, but I think Blake will probably be a little bit better. Um, he's obviously, he hasn't taken as many threes as I thought he would as well. Um, whether or not that's just kind of keeping the space in for everyone else going like you don't need Blake to be out on the wing when you've got KD, Kyrie, James Harden and Joe and Joe Harris. So it's probably one of those things, but that's just something I noticed. Um, something that has gone right is just our ridiculously efficient, ridiculously efficient offense. Um, we were impressed enough with Kyrie's 50, 40, 90 club season, but in game four, the, the Nets team as a whole uh, obviously spearheaded by the big three, were within a few percentage points of finishing the game. The the playoffs only ever 60, 60, 100 games, which is 
ridiculous. I think they were like 57, 56, 97 or something. Like we missed one free throw of the of the 30 we took, which is ridiculous. Um, but great. Um, we've already touched touched on all the we've got all the chemistry in the world. So anyone saying yeah, but they've not played together. I think that's just you, once you get to a certain superstar caliber of player, I just don't think it matters. Um, and whether or not that has implications out for like the rest of the league, um, you know, time will tell. If if you know we start causing a bit of a chain reaction, and and players will just start just get real get real comfortable throughout the season and, and just turn it on the playoffs. But you know, not everyone is is has got this big free. Um, the injury to Jeff Green uh, has obviously been something that's gone really wrong for us. He's when he went down with that. What is it? The placial fascia or plantar fascia, um, whatever it is, dodgy <laughs> foot. Um, he said he was going to be reassessed in ten days. Um, I think that obviously takes us into the second second round. So there's a, there's a if that all goes well, then he could be back for for this Buck series, which would be huge. Um, the thing is, when you take Jeff Green out of the rotation um i kind of because i kind of I, you guys probably saw as well but you see people like getting around on twitter where, where they're saying stuff like you know you've got the big three and all these people and you're saying because you haven't got jeff green you're gonna lose and they obviously don't understand how good jeff green is but if you know if, if you're not playing jeff green at the five you've got to play you know nick claxton or, or blake and and in all those sort of things and you just don't have the shooting so it just kind of it just mucks stuff up. So I really, really do hope Jeff Green comes back soon, fit and healthy. Um, rebounding, I think, you know, we we could come up with a drinking game, uh, BKGK drinking game, whereas if we talk about, you know, silly not being uh, aggressive enough on the boards, then you could probably get pretty, pretty steaming uh, if you listen along to this podcast. Foul trouble in this series. I think both teams have sort of suffered from this a little bit. I don't know if what you guys think, but the refs have just been so keen to blow their whistle every like it seems like every time down the floor they're just letting just blowing up for every little thing and i think jason tatum what shot 30 odd um free throws in the last game or something it's been absolutely ridiculous so so that kind of needs to stop um i know bruce brown gets stung with with giving away fouls a lot of the time but i think it's just these refs is they kind of flip a coin almost in their head and decide whether or not it's a foul or not so so that's been a bit annoying and just the general, like, again, symptomatic of, of stuff we've seen over the season. It's just we've been super slow to get started. Um, you know, we'll we'll let them come into it kind of in the first quarter or so. And then it's not until partway through the second quarter and and hopefully into the third and fourth where we actually pull away and and sort of start blowing these teams out. But but you know, we're we're three and one, you know, we've we've got so much good to talk about. It seems I guess we're in the we're in the business of, of trying to find nit, nitpicky things to to moan about, um, but we'll find them because we're here to discuss discuss this team. So, but yeah, we're we're still in a good place, and we're still going to be looking ahead to to what is hopefully a a, a Nets in five season uh, series win. Um, but unless you guys have any more thoughts about what's gone on in the series so far, we need to address the elephant in the room. Um, Cammy, I'm going to come to you first on this. And Kyrie Irving's return to Boston, to, to a hostile TD Garden. Um, what have you made of it so far? I mean, I think we all knew there was going to be some hostility there with the way he kind of left the teams. You know, I'm going to be back next year. And then 
then was with us the following season. Yeah, it was always going to be quite hostile. You, you kind of expect the booze and the kind of swearing and the kind of jeering and stuff. But I don't think anyone really expected folk to get to the point where they were throwing bottles. I mean, well, I'm saying bottles. It was one bottle. And yes, there's going to be folk going, it's only a plastic bottle. And yeah, I agree with that. It is a plastic bottle. It's not going to do anyone any harm whatsoever. But it's still, it, what's the point? Like... It just makes no sense. Obviously, Kyrie certainly got the last laugh. Uh, 39 points. We got the win. It, yeah, just the guy that threw it got himself arrested and probably lost his privileges of attending a Celtics game at TD, TD Garden ever again in his life, all for throwing the water bottle because he was a wee bit angry Kyrie never returned. And I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know what you can say. It's just sheer stupidity. And I, I quite like what Kyrie kind of said after the game. Um, it's unfortunate that sports has come to this crossroads where a lot of old ways are coming up. It's been that way for entertainment for a long time of underlying racism and just treating people like they're in a human zoo. Now, we've obviously seen several incidents in the playoffs as between Russell Westbrook had popcorn thrown at him and just, yeah, I, I just don't get, imagine paying thousands for a ticket to do that. Like, it, it just, it genuinely blows my mind when we're sitting here and we'd, we'd happily pay thousands for a ticket and then there's folk pay thousands for a ticket and do that and I mean I it's just I I am I'm, I'm really lost for words what you can really say it's just it's stupid there's there's no way that you can possibly condone it or say yeah this, this is great he, he deserved it there's not and then obviously Kerry maybe added a little bit of fuel to the fire with his stomp his kind of rub his foot over the Celtics logo is I don't know what we'll call it we'll say stomp but yeah, I think that, that would have certainly angered fans, but, I, but I've got to mention the tweet that you put out on the <laughs> on the UK Nets fans account about being able to buy a Boston Celtics doormat, which you can quite literally wipe your feet on. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I mean, they'll do it every day, but not think twice about Kyrie Irving does it. That's a big problem. But I mean, yeah, that's not up for me to decide. So I'm not sure what you for. I'm sure you will both be on the kind of same train of thought as me that it was, it was wrong, it was silly, and Kyrie's ultimately going to get the last laugh when we dump the Celtics out of the playoffs. And yeah, that's all you can really hope for. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the ball, it's absolutely inexcusable. I mean, you can chant Kyrie sucks, Kyrie sucks, which we've talked about on many occasions. Must be the least offensive chant of all time and no one really cares about that. Or you can say that all you want, but to throw stuff at these players, three separate incidents in, what, just over a week? Where obviously you've had a Celtics fan, a Sixers fan and a Knicks fan who define themselves probably the most passionate fans in the country. I mean, that's not passion. I mean, that's sheer fuggery from like these three guys who, yeah, who've just taken it far too far. And it's borderline insane that you would go to a sports game with the intention to do something like that. But if you don't go with the intention like that, why have you let yourself get that angry where you're going to do something as stupid as that? It's, I mean, I just don't see why people can't just enjoy themselves without having to take it too far. And I know it's obviously a minority, and I did like seeing the Celtics kind of fans pointing out who it was. I mean, probably them going, oh, I don't want to get the blame for this. It was that guy. But at the end of the day, if you can point out someone that's being an absolute idiot and ruin it for everyone, it's, yeah, it just makes so much sense. But I mean, yeah, you mentioned there, Cammy obviously said it's a plastic bottle, but it looked full to me and the speed that it came in. A plastic bottle like that, at that pace, from that distance, which looked quite far from the video footage I've seen, could have done a lot of damage if it caught him in the wrong place in his face. We know that he's had a he's had damage to his face before where he's had to wear a mask and stuff. And 
yeah, that would have been absolutely awful. And I think if it did catch him, Taylor Johnson would have probably been up in that stance and um, having a few few words potentially with that fan, or we'll, we'll put it that way. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the stomping on the logo or, or whatever you want to call it, I mean, let's face it, the Boston fans were chanting F.U. Kyrie, F.U. Kyrie all, right, all night. And suddenly they're offended that he stomped on a logo who I've just found out is called Lucky, which I find really, really funny. But it's uh, all night players have been running over it and you're suddenly offended at it after you've told a guy to F.U. literally all night. I think they really need to have a look at their priorities because that's really embarrassing if if you're going to swear at someone all night and then get offended at something as small as that, I would have done the same thing if I was Kyrie. I probably would have done it twice. So, yeah, there we go. It's funny, isn't it? Because, right, so I want to I wanna put it out there that, that it's obviously not all Celtics fans. There are some Celtics fans, especially like in UK Celtics fans, who I completely respect and I really love like interacting with, you know, your Rich Barrett's, your Boston Brits. Um, your Josh Coins, all that kind of stuff. And I'm by no means trying to, anything I say going forward, by no means, so I'm not trying to paint, paint everyone with the same brush. Um, but it's just like, I think it all stemmed off, like, but with the buildup of returning to Boston, right? And there was a, this video that went around and there was this fella and he was like, I'm Michael and let me tell you why I'm going to boo the living daylights out of you. And we all had a little bit of a giggle in the Discord. It's like, it's like giving someone the thumbs down or like giving them like the wiggly fingers on your nose. It's just like, mate, like it's booing. Like it must be a British thing, but I've never like been serious while I've booed anything. No. Like it's, I don't think anyone in the UK has. No, it's just pantomime. No. It's literal. It's literally panto, and like for them to be like this series, like boo you, you're a duty head, and it's just so weird. And I think that's just like possibly a cultural thing, and I get it. <laughs> Cammy's gone, but it's yeah. just like I just don't see how like you can go from that, and then like just obviously the other extreme is like you know gobbing at people if you're. Uh, you were at that Knicks game dumping popcorn on people and, and throwing bottles and stuff, which is obviously just stupid. Um, obviously, I understand that Kyrie, it was, you can go in and say it was premeditated and all that kind of stuff, but it's an inte- it's something he decided to do um, and all that kind of stuff. But I, the, the stomp and the, and the wipe, I mean. But I don't see it as any different from Trey Young giving it the, the you like opposing pairs like cupping your ears or see you in the A or sort of shushing the crowd or, you know, Dame Lillard waving goodbye. It's just like, it's exactly the same. And I, I just can't relate to people that would see like the, that take it so seriously that disrespecting their badge actually gets them angry. Like you, us free are sat in our free time, thousands of miles away doing a podcast every week. We're pretty into the nets, right? We're, this is our team. But I think, you know, I'm probably not alone when it's just like, if someone like stamped on the, a Nets jersey in front of me. I'm not going to I'm not going to be ready to throw down. Do you know what I mean? It's just a weird thing to just be like so get so wound up about respect and like what's 
it's just like this whole like damn dent in someone's pride is just I don't I don't get it. Like just it's just not that deep, man. Um but that's what I think. Obviously, it's really, really cool to see KD and, and the rest of the rest of the teams rally around Kyrie um when he's obviously been been feeling stuff. Um but yeah, all things going well. We're not going to be returning to Boston again this season. Um, fingers crossed we'll tie it up um, on this game on Tuesday. Uh, and that'll be that. But yeah, that's that's it. I would absolutely love to know what some other people think. Um, so let us know in the comments or, or get, out, get at us on social because, you know, there's been some spirited debate on that. Um, and I'm sure long will it continue. Um but yeah, thanks for all your listener questions. We kind of sprinkled those in um, throughout our discussions. Um, but I don't want to be accused of looking too far ahead. But with the, I I would be very very shocked if the Celtics do come back from three one down to to push the Nets to to another game and and win the series. So we're going to tentatively look ahead to a what will be now we know uh, after this the sweeping of the Miami Heat. Um, we're going to be playing the Bucks. If we make it past uh, Boston, we're going to be playing the Bucks. Um, and just to look ahead to that second round, I um, don't know who wants to take this first, but you know, we, it could be as early as Saturday. Um, how do you guys see this uh, the Bucks matchup going? Yeah, I'll take it, Cameron. Um, yeah, it's going to be huge, and it at the end of the day, it could it could end up being an absolute classic of a series just because of how well the Bucks are playing, how well they're playing, how how good the Nets are. But yeah, I mean, in terms of kind of matchups, key players for the Bucks and things like that, I mean, you can't talk about the Bucks without talking about Giannis. It's, it's an obviously he's going to be a big factor. And unfortunately, the type of game that Giannis has, it, unfortunately, it, it exposes every single one of the Nets' main weaknesses, which is obviously size, offensive rebounding, driving at the rim. I mean, if you were to look at any positives with regards to playing against Giannis, he's he's not always had great games against the Nets in recent years. I think he, he struggles, especially on the defensive end, with how fast the Nets are. I mean, he's not that quick defensively, and he quite likes kind of bodying guys, but the Nets just seem to be a bit too quick for him. So that is a kind of huge boost for us, but Obviously, we heard this week that um, DiVincenzo was going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. Now, a lot of players, a lot of kind of people on Twitter were kind of brushing that one off. I think that's a massive loss for them, and they'll be absolutely gutted with that. And the reason being for this matchup for them in particular, because we all know Drew Holiday's a a great defender. I'm not going to say he's elite because personally, I'm I'm in a small minority where I don't actually think he's that elite at all, especially when there's been some. Some guys getting 50 on him this year with ease. But yeah, I think he's probably going to be taking one of Harden or Kyrie. And they were hoping that DiVincenzo was probably going to take the other one. And that's going to be a huge blow for them that they're going to have to get someone on. Probably one of their shooters like a, a Pat Connaughton or, or a Bryn Forbes or something like that, who is offensively good, but defensively not that great. And the fact that they're going to be having to guard Harden or Kyrie is going to make these things really difficult. And I think DiVincenzo as well is one of the best rebounders for a guard, probably up there with James Harden. And especially when you've got someone like Brooke Lopez, who really is one of the poorest rebounding centres in the league. I'd say, yeah, that's a bigger blow for them than it would be if Jeff Green was going to be out for this entire series. And I think that says a lot because we know Jeff Green's probably going to be our sixth man of the year um, in terms of uh, the playoffs this year. But yeah, I just think 
In terms of this team, and I mean, I don't want to talk about the Bucks too much because, yeah, we've, we're not there yet. But at the end of the day, I think it's it's looking likely that we're we're going to get out and, and play them on Saturday. It's, it's going to be really, really important that we do guard the three-point line against this Bucks team because I'd say there's not many better three-point shooting teams than the Nets in the league, but the Bucks are, are really, really good. And guys like Middleton, I mentioned Forbes and Connaughton, they're all really good shooters who have all kind of went off at at least one point in, in this first round. So, yeah, they need to just be really careful that they don't let down their guard when they're they're shooting, when they're defending because the Bucks can get hot really quickly. And, yeah, just in general, they, they obviously sweeped Miami. And I think, yeah, they looked absolutely excellent in all four, but the Heat were really, really poor. And I don't know if you guys caught any of those games. I, I tend to watch a couple just because I, I anticipated that we were going to be playing one of them in the next round. And... Yeah, I, I wouldn't get too excited if I was a Bucks fan about that one because Miami did look really, really poor. But yeah, the Bucks just look like they're they have stepped up a level because they're probably at that stage now where if they don't win now, then when are they going to win? Because the Nets are going to keep getting better, everyone else is going to keep getting better. So this this is going to be a quite a hotly contested series, I think. And it wouldn't surprise me if it did go to seven games, but you've got to hope that the Nets can maybe get it and say six. I think the biggest factor, if you were to look out for one big factor with this one, it's got to be that the Nets win those first two games at home. And I think that's been a big one in this one. I think if we if we dropped one of the first ones against the Celtics, then there'd maybe be a few more questions about us dropping a game. But yeah, winning these first two games could be absolutely massive. And that's where I underestimated home court advantage for a long time. But after kind of seeing that, and if we potentially get the first two wins then it'd be much more comfortable going to Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also be a massive boost. And I think, as you said, Giannis is the, the obvious key man. And if we thought, kind of, you know, Jason Tatum was hard enough in this, Giannis is going to be 10 times harder, if not more. Giannis is our diplomat who's talked us fairly recently. We, as you say, he, he exposes all our weaknesses and we just couldn't deal with him, even when we were kind of letting him just take frees. He was sinking them, so it's like he really is. As much as he's a player who gets to the rim, can bully himself, can into the post, and just do whatever he kind of wants. If he can't do that, which is very rare, he can pull up from free, and that that's something we've to also be wary of. I think if we manage to somehow stop him, that 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 will give us success. Much like with Tatum, um, I I think I'd like to say we'll do it in six. I, I to to say we'll not drop any. I think would be would be a lie, would take something sensational like Yanis, not playing whatsoever for, for us to have any chance of a sweep. I think that, yeah, the Bucks are surely going to pick up at least one, if not two wins in this one. And we're just going to need to accept it. Hope that, hope that we're kind of close enough to them in these losses and it's not complete blowouts. And as Ian says, got to try and make sure that, that we get the wins at home. I think, especially when the fans are back in the stands, maybe it does make a real difference. And yeah, uh, yes, it's, it's potentially going to be a classic, but I'm not wanting to say too much. I am maybe being a bit superstitious, and I'm I'm just a bit worried as well. It's it's a huge game, and just with the expectations we've got and the kind of hopes we all have as fans, you don't want to see it kind of end here. So I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but certainly you've got to go in it with a bit of confidence. And also, as we said, the Bucks swept the Heat, and I think you could probably look at the fact they've had a few extra days off in two ways. One, they're freshly rested. We could play one, if not two, maybe even three more games by the time we we, we face off against them in, in a worst-case scenario. 
whereas they'll then had say a week or so off, and I mean that 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 would be great. I think players would love that in the playoffs. The, the more rest you get, probably the better. But at the same time, while we're still playing basketball, we we are still in the kind of groove. Whereas they could potentially fall out of that if they're not playing for an extra week or whatever. It's then you're kind of losing that. Whereas we could go right in, kind of rolling off, winning well potentially game seven if it went to that, and then have that conference with the Bucks where they kind of come back down to earth and they've been chilling out a wee bit. But but yeah, I'll say Nets and six, but if it goes to seven, I'd like to still hope we can win it. Nice. Well, the, guy, the guys from the Grit and Grind pod um, have joined us in the chat to say that they chose the Nets in six before the playoffs started. So you're, you're in good company there. I think, yeah, it's when, when the Bucks have been so dominant um, in the kind of the lead up to to meeting them, you can't help but feel, you know, you can't help but take them seriously, we should say. Um, but another way to, to think about that is, you know, they haven't, you know, with all due respect to Miami, they couldn't hit the, what's the old football analogy where they, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with um, with the, some of the shots they were putting up. So, you know, as as much as um, the, the Bucks are going to be a tougher out than, than Boston, the the Bucks haven't had to face uh, you know an historic offense like um, like the Nets have been. Uh, I'm just trying to have a look as we speak on kind of the what the the kind of performance from the Bucks has been over this first uh, sort of first round so far, and they've put up an average of 118 points um, on on Miami um, versus. Brooklyn's 123 points uh, per game. So I think the the what I'm most concerned about is is the Nets beating themselves rather than the Bucks beating us. Um, and it kind of it just goes back to you know taking timeouts to to stop momentum. I think um, you know you see Giannis kind of hulking up and huffing and puffing and all that kind of stuff when he gets momentum and when he gets going and. And that's formidable, and that's that's tough to stop. Who I don't care who you are, um, and you know, with with our our defense not being our our, our core strength, should we say, um, you know, that's something that you've got to you've got to admire in in that Bucks team, and and Chris Middleton as well has has seemingly had a, an incredible incredible series. Um, sometimes goes under the radar um, when it comes to talking about the Bucks, but he's been incredible. Um, and shout out Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez comes back to back to Barclays, and you know it's always, always nice to see Brookie come back. Um, but yeah, I do think Nets in six would be great. Um, but yeah, I I really want us to have those first two games. I've, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence as well. I'm going to get splinters in my ass. I'm going to I'm going to sit on this fence um, with you, Cami. But we shall see. Let's 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 deal with Boston first. Let's regroup. Um, I'm just having a look at the Twitter sphere now, and it looks like uh, Alizé Johnson and Jeff Green are still out for game five. Um, bit of a shame that we've not seen Alizé because especially he could help us on the boards. Um, but yeah, just just one of those things. Fingers crossed he's back soon. Um, so that's what we've got to look ahead with with the Bucks. But it is now time... Um, ooh, just before we do get in, Grit and Crime back through on the comments as already. Brooke Lopez actually dominated inside in round one. That could be a problem for the Nets. Yeah, that mm. is absolutely what I'm worried about. I don't know about you two. Have you guys? What have you guys made of Brooke? Have you seen much of him in this in these playoffs? Yeah, he's done well. I think I, I saw a few big big games. I think he had a, about a 25 point game at one point. But 
I mean, personally, I think he's not a good matchup against this Nets team, but I was just about to mention, just in terms of, in general, just a quick one for you guys. Who do you think there's more pressure on in this series, the Bucks or the Nets? To win, as in like to actually get through and win the championship? Because I, I personally, I think the Bucks have just as much pressure than us uh, with the amount that they've done to that team this year. I'd probably say 50-50. I think with what you said about them really needing to win, and it's we don't necessarily need to win. I mean, we do and we don't. I think the expectation is that we will and kind of must, but as this is the kind of first year we've had a lot of disruption in that year, and I think many expect us to go on and win, whereas the box it is kind of only just kind of held on to Yanis in, in the kind of previous summer, and I mean, that that, that was huge for them. If, if he'd left, I mean, the box had, yeah, they'd, they'd lost any chance of winning anything, really, if Yanis had left. The fact they've got him, tied him down for what, another few seasons at least, they've got to go for it. And th that that could well play in our favour. They maybe overdo it. They, they try too hard and maybe knacker themselves or they just try too many maybe extravagant plays. Or I, I don't know. It could actually play in our favour. I think the home games will certainly have a lot of pressure on us as much as the, the Nets faithful are supportive. The, they'll, the kind of games in Milwaukee could be very difficult for the Bucks. We know they're kind of ability in the regular season but it's kind of the playoffs when they kind of come undone and yeah they've, they've got kind of through that first round they're coming up against possibly the best team that, that well probably the best team they'll face in the playoffs even if they manage to somehow beat us so yeah there's going to be enormous pressure on them so yeah I think it's I'll, I'll say 50-50 but I, I, I guess you could say it'll swing side to side depending on the venue of the match yeah absolutely um Big up, uh, big up, Keith McPherson in the chat. Thanks for coming through, bro. Um, yeah, I think that that Buck series is going to be an absolute killer. Um, I think what they've also pulled through a load of confidence from that kind of late season two game mini series we had. So that's going to be stinging in in their heads. So they're definitely going to be smelling blood uh, when it comes to this next team. But you know, we've we've spoken all all episode about this kind of playoff intensity and how it's ramped up. So. You know, I'm I'm not worried about anyone, but you know, I'm, I'm respected. I'm putting some respect on the Bucks' name. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's all the next chat we've got for this particular section. But it's time for the sea foam section. Uh, we're going to give you give you the lowdown on the Liberty, and um, and yeah, it's time. Uh, you know, it's we're we're self-confessed newbies to to following the the W. Um, but what a time to get involved in this incredible league. Um, I know you guys have picked up league pass. It was what, 15, 16 quid for the entire league pass, which is incredible value. Um, with, with this league winding down and, and more teams sort of losing out, watching their team playing basketball as we go on. It's dope. So we're going to be doing more of these, um, sort of little mini Liberty sections. Um, and yeah, Cami, we, we need to chat about, Sabrina Ionescu uh, and Benigia Laney uh, specifically. Um, but what have you made about uh, this hot start that the Liberty have had to the to the season? I mean, it's been incredible, especially considering that the Libs won two games last season. That there weren't many expectations heading into this season. It was like a, quite a young team, and I think many were just kind of looking forward to seeing many of these these girls play together. Um, I think it was seven rookies played last season. This season, obviously, many of them are in their kind of second seasons in the league. Sabrina's technically only in her first year, only played the few games in her first season, and 
Wait, yeah, it's been very exciting. Five and two after seven played. I'd like to apologise to the New York Liberty. One of those losses came because I never watched. I've not actually seen us lose a game. The other game, I've seen bits of some kind of, I think it was Doug Berak also tweeted, he'd seen bits of a game that we lost, but he didn't see the full game. So he wasn't counting that. So I'm not going to count that either. So the only game that I've not seen a single second of, we lost. So yeah, I'm sorry for that. And clearly the ones I watched, we win. So I, I don't know. I'm just a good luck charm. But yeah, it's been fantastic. I was doing kind of research, listening to some podcasts, and I think many were saying Liberty could maybe sneak into the playoffs and or maybe just kind of not finish bottom of the pile. And I think that could be considered a good season. But based on this, with about three quarters of the season to go, the Liberty could finish with about 20 wins, which would be, well, 10 times as good as last season. And yeah, it's just, it's been incredible. It's been really good just kind of watching and kind of getting to know the players. And yeah, I think You've mentioned them, Serena Ionescu and Bit Nigel Can we get them on the nets as well? Because that, they are that good. I love them to pieces. They're just absolute ballers. Yeah, they are serious, serious, serious players. Um, but Nigelini, especially, like, so I think I think what we were what most kind of casual or new WNBA fans will be guilty of is, you know, getting up. Caught up in this Sabrina Ionescu hype, right? Coming out of college, she's an absolute baller, breaking records left, right, and center. And it'll be, I can see the more sort of dedicated WNBA fans being like, okay, like Sabrina's good, but there are the all these other incredible players. Um, and I just want to sort of shine a light on some, uh, some other ones that I just wanted to get your opinion of, Cami, like that have been sticking out to you. First and foremost, uh, Benigelani, who who was on a, a streak. I'm not sure what she's done in the last couple of games, but she scored sort of 30 on opening night and then just couldn't not score 20 points. Like she was just, I think it was the first opening five games, she scored 20 or more points. Um, so I think she's top four in, in scoring in the league, which is, she's just been incredible. Um, Sammy Whitcomb, who is uh, a new sign-in. She's uh, a veteran sharpshooter. So the amount of defense that she turns into offense um, sort of, just she's got that kind of pull up free where you know you just run in in transition and they just stop dead and, and shoot a free and it's in and you're just like yeah that's that's the most disrespectful and nothing you can do about it shot in basketball but um Michaela Onyemwere as well she's the uh, rookie at UCLA she's been incredible uh, she dropped a career high 29 uh, in a game recently but but yeah if if you guys if if you're listening to this and you're not on the WNBA train do yourself a favor. Um, it's incredible. And for those watching along live on Twitch, on YouTube, on Periscope, or watching back on, on YouTube, you can look as good as Cami in, in his seafoam season uh, Sabrina Ionescu jersey. It is an absolute peach. Um, yeah, beautiful. Um, so Libs, the Liberty are currently in second at time recording, um, five and two. Um yeah, it's just been real good. Another little bit of news, though. So, Leisha Clarendon, um, who's a massive um, leader of, of the team, especially in her kind of time she's had with the Libs, um, they've been waived um, to make way for former Defensive Player of the Year, Natasha Howard. Um, and they've since joined the Minnesota Lynx. So, it was really strange because... Because they were kind of one of my favorite players um, watching last season. Um, I, you know, I, I just love a point guard because, you know, it's it's one of the, it's just one of the weird kind of um, things watching basketball. I can kind of, I can get being a point guard because I, 
that's you know that's the the position you're more likely to play as a, as a short skinny kid uh, in England playing basketball but um but it's just one of those so so Leisure Clarendon was really cool um and it's kind of getting to see them go but they they've they've landed on their feet in there they're in Minnesota which unlike the the men's game Minnesota are, are a very very decent team so um so yeah re- really cool you got anything to yeah it is. Uh, yeah so just going back to Sabrina obviously I think I can't remember if I said this last time we kind of had this Liberty Lowdown Seafoam section, but it's scary how good she is already. Like you're saying, and rightly so, there's so many other stars in this league. It's not just the Sabrina League, as much as I think it will be for probably the next decade. I, I can't help but feel it's a bit like watching Kyrie. And now I know me and you have spoken about this, and it's kind of like the cardinal sin of comparing a WNBA player to an NBA player or vice versa. But it's not in terms of their play styles, but more just like when watching Kyrie, you can't take your eyes off of him. And it's much the same with Sabrina. It's just you can kind of just sense she can do something magical, much like Kyrie. She can hit the clutch shots. She can just hit big shots. And she's just, yeah, been absolutely phenomenal. I think it's about 16 points, seven assists and about six rebounds, nearly seven rebounds. So, yeah, she's been absolutely phenomenal. Back back to bit Nigel Laney, that stat, as you said, Really, really hot start to the season, and obviously, it's it's just been fantastic seeing her do do what she's doing. I think she's third for points per game and fourth for total points, or vice versa. So to have someone scoring at that rate, it's obviously always going to help. And the fact that it's helped the the Liberty to quite a historic start. I'm not exactly sure if it's historic, but it certainly seems that in comparison to last season. Obviously, not as many games as kind of previous weeks. We kind of had the that lots of games ficking fast, but now other teams who've moved on the played four or five are now kind of catching up. So we, we've got kind of a few days off in between games now. And it, it, it's sad because it, it's just been nice. It's been a nice change of pace. And as, as you say, Matt, if you've not kind of jumped on the W train yet, get on board because it is really, really fun to watch. And if you take it for what it is and yeah, you'll just really enjoy it. Lots of characters in it, much like the, the kind of men's game. And yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. And as we said, again, these jerseys, the best jerseys in New York, and I'm not here otherwise. <laughs> nice, yeah, love that. Um, so we will be we will be keeping on uh, bringing you the the Liberty news as it comes through throughout the season. Um, but that'll do us, I think, for this um, for this particular episode. Um, we hope you all enjoyed this week uh, this week's episode of BK UK. Thanks very very much for listening. Thanks to everyone that came through in the chat. Um, please subscribe, rate, review the pod where you can. Head to teespring.com slash stores slash UK Nets fans where you can buy our merch, including um, Scary Hours Tees um, and all that kind of good stuff. Bruce Brown Appreciation Club. Um, And yeah, thanks for coming through and we'll see you next time.